Welcome to the Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. And this time we're talking about Anthony Dvorak's Rusalka, which debuted in Prague in 1901, Eric. Absolutely. And this is... Um well, it's it's quintessentially Dvorak. It sounds, you know, very much the, the nationalistic Czech uh, music that he perfected and, and composed uh, brilliantly. Beginning to end, this is a score that's just chock full of soaring, melodic romanticism based, of course, on folk legend and fairy tale. People who see Rusalka for the first time might think, oh, this is The Little Mermaid. <laughs> Not the Disney, mind you, with Hans Christian uh, Andersen, but they're both based on the same folk legends and folk tales. This, in fact, was Dvorak's ninth opera. Mm -hmm. This is perhaps his most famous. It's really the only one that's taken hold in the standard rep, mm -hmm. actually. Rusalka is a Czech word meaning a water nymph. Right. And in this opera, Rusalka is precisely that. She is a water nymph. She is the daughter of the, the water goblin or the spirit of the lake. Mm -hmm. And they do. They live in the lake. They live below the surface of the water. Right. She's supernatural and therefore without a soul, which is very important to the, uh, to the story. As it opens, there is a clearing with a cottage on the, the edge of the lake. And in true fairy tale style, I guess Rusalka is talking to her father. Mm -hmm. And she has a confession to make. Yeah. That she has fallen in love with a human. Right. He also happens to be a prince. Yeah, well, of course. <laughs> it's a fairy tale. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he hunts in the vicinity of the lake. And she has seen him. And she wants to experience love. Right, and her father is absolutely aghast at this this confession because he just he can already see ahead that nothing but disaster is going to come of this. Uh, but she insists and insists, and finally he says, "Oh, okay. If you must pursue this, go find the witch Yejibaba." What are the consequences that have got him freaked? Well, I mean, basically, what she wants is to become human. She wants, to, she wants to gain a soul and become human. And uh, the only one that, that the, the water gnome knows of that can grant her this is the witch Yejibaba. But, of course, there's a price for that. And we'll find that out when Rusalka meets Yejibaba a little later in this, in this act. Well, she does meet Yejibaba. And Yejibaba says, well, we can do it, but there are conditions and there are consequences. Right. She has to give up her voice, which is a really big sacrifice for a character in an opera, if you think about it. <laughs> she has to give up her voice in order to become human. And also, should the prince ever be unfaithful to her, what are the consequences then? They're both damned. damned. Both of them. Right. So it's a huge gamble, but she wants to take it. Yeah. And in fact, she sings her big aria, the most famous one from Rusalka and uh, you know, one of the most gorgeous, uh, the, the Song to the Moon. Exactly. Where she implores the moon to take her message of love to the prince and let him know that she's in love with him. Right.
And the prince is out hunting, hunting a white doe, which is this quintessential symbol of love. Mm -hmm. And he feels drawn to the lake, that there is some sort of power there. As a matter of fact, there is. <laughs> because that's where he finds Rusalka, who has been transformed by Yejibaba, who brews a, a potion and, uh, and chants the magic words. And, uh, and Rusalka is, she becomes a human and is able to walk on land. And that's where the prince finds her, on land, in this clearing. And he sees her and is completely smitten by her beauty. impassioned outpouring of love for her uh, that just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and the orchestra is swelling beneath him and he uh, embraces her as the curtain falls on act one and as she falls into his arms and is sort of swept away to the palace there is that lament coming from her father her and father. her sisters in the lake <laughs> What is going to happen? But things are not going to turn out well. It's gonna, it's going to be so bad, <laughs> so very bad. You'd think he'd say to her, "Look, this is a fairy tale. Things." Are not <laughs> <laughs> Have you not read your Grimm brothers? <laughs> Act two is uh, set in the palace, mm -hmm. and preparations are being made for the wedding. Right, Rusalka and the prince. He's a little perturbed though because. She doesn't have very much to say. Uh, in fact, nothing, nothing whatsoever. <laughs> and he feels that, that there is a sort of a coldness there. Uh-huh. And at the same time, there's a new player on the scene. Uh-huh, the foreign princess. Yeah. She has shown up at the prince's palace. To attend she, the wedding. Yeah. To, well, yeah. She's, she's got an agenda, though. She's hunting for a prince. <laughs> <laughs> She's got her sights set on him, and she's she's getting her hooks into him because she can do one thing Rusalka can't. She can talk to him. And, in fact, the prince sends Rusalka into the palace to get, get changed, get ready for the wedding, and he starts to uh, flirt, shall we say, with the foreign princess. Mm -hmm. As this is going on, the preparations are being made for the wedding. There is a, a forester, a hunter, talking to one of the kitchen boys in the palace, and they are both expressing reservations about this marriage between Rusalka and the prince because they think that something is not She's quite creepy. right. She's creepy. Right. She's creepy. <laughs> she and creeps she, them and out. she doesn't have anything to say. <laughs> exactly. And they're not wrong. You know, there's, there's something decidedly off about this girl. She's not what she appears to be. And the prince is beginning to feel... The same way. Right, and he's turning his attentions toward the foreign princess, who is going after him, you know, full court press. <laughs> so after the prince sends Rusalka in to get changed, uh, he goes off with the foreign princess, and Rusalka is 
watching the guests arrive for the wedding. And that's where we get this great polonaise. It's a very famous polonaise. Uh, a dance. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, as they all arrive. <laughs> As these preparations are going on, the water gnome appears in the lake. From the fountain. Right. He's lamenting what is going to happen to his daughter. Right. And it's an interesting scene because as he's singing his lament, you hear the guests of the wedding and in, in in behind him uh, in sort of counterpoint to his lament. So we have all these happy festivities going on in the background while in the foreground he's bemoaning the fact that he's he's losing his daughter and, and something awful is going to happen to her. And in fact, the prince is getting on really well with the foreign princess. Yeah. And Rusalka throws herself at him in an attempt to stop the inevitable. And at that point, the foreign princess says, okay, well, if that's what you want, that's great. See ya. Done with ya. <laughs> <laughs> End of Act Two. Well, actually, before the act ends, though, the water gnome appears, and uh, he basically declares that uh, the prince will never be free of Rusalka, and the worst has happened. Everything he foresaw has come to pass, because the prince was unfaithful to Rusalka. They're both dead. Damned. Right. Three, then, we're back at the lake again. Rusalka is the victim of the prince's perfidy and is condemned to uh, spend the rest of existence as a ghost-like spirit in the lake. She's, yeah, she's a vili. If, and you may know that term if you know um, Giselle, the ballet Giselle. Mm-hmm. Vili are the spirit of wronged lovers who are condemned forever to lure unfaithful men into the forest to seek their companionship and uh, kill them. Rusalka turns again to Yejibaba, to the witch, and implores her for her help. Yeah. And Yejibaba says, the only way that you can save yourself is to kill the prince with this knife that I'm about to give you. Rusalka is not prepared to do that, and she throws the knife in the lake. Yeah, and resigns herself to a fate as a vili. And the forester, the hunter, and the kitchen boys show up again. They go to see Yejibaba, and they express, we have concerns about the prince. We think that he's under some sort of spell. He's wasting away. And they want Yejibaba to sort of bring him back to his senses and, and write him again. right. So as they, as they come and try to uh, get Yejibaba to come out and, and, and help them, uh, the water gnome appears and scares the pants off of them. <laughs> they go running into the forest, basically. Because they, they have come face to face with the supernatural. Exactly. Which, of course, is their concern for the prince. Right. Then the prince staggers out of the wood to the edge of the lake. And he's just out of his mind at this point. He's... Ever since uh, the foreign princess left and he has been condemned, uh, he's just 
wasted away, basically. He is, he is tormented day and night by what has become of, of his life. And, and uh, he's come to try to find Rusalka. And she appears, and he begs her to forgive him and to take him back. Yeah, she rises out of the lake and, and goes to him, and, uh, and he begs her for a kiss. For a kiss, because that's the kiss of death. Of a, of a Vili, when a Vili kisses you, you, you die. And that, of course, is what she wanted in the first place, was to experience that human emotion, that kiss. Yeah. And so she does kiss him. She grants him his wish, and he dies in her arms. And she returns to the lake forever to swim in the depths as a, uh, as a Vili. And the last thing we hear is her, basically in these gorgeous, <laughs> achingly romantic uh, melodic lines of Dvorak's, she says, I don't regret it. I'm going now to suffer, you know, a life, a half-life, where I, you know, am, am barely alive under the lake for the rest of my existence. But it was worth it just to feel, have that soul and to feel love for just that one time. So, Eric, what is it that makes Rusalka the favorite that it is? Uh, I'm sorry, I have to compose myself for a second. <laughs> this, this one really, really gets me. It's, well, it's just, it's Dvorak. It's this score. It's just so achingly beautiful from beginning to end. There is not a wasted note in this score. It's, it's melodic, it's gorgeous, it's quintessentially Czechoslovakian and, and Dvorak, and, and it's, just, um, it's just so beautiful from beginning to end. And you just, you, if you give yourself up to it, you cannot help but feel for this character. And, and because it's a fairy tale opera, if you're a stage director, you have a lot of leeway here. You can play it completely straight as a fairy tale, you know, and just put it directly on the stage, or you can, you know, go into the, the, uh, the metaphorical elements of, of, uh, of the fairy tale. You can go into the psychosexual uh, elements uh, and, and play to those. You can do all kinds of things, and they're all valid. Mm -hmm. Anthony Dvorak's Rusalka. That's this week's Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.